Welcome to the BC Podcast, featuring a weekly message from Believer's Church in Warren, Ohio. For more information, visit www.believers.cc. Good morning once again, all our guests. We're so excited you're here. You know, several years ago, I had a husband and wife come to me. Their kids were already grown. They had six kids. They had a regional business, and they had national clients with their business. And um, three of their kids were not happy with the situation, their positions in the company, and they weren't happy with their pay. And they became so unhappy, they took one of the national clients, and they went to try to start their own business, and they, they ended up going into this terrible conflict with their parents. So the parents came to me after all this happened, and they're, they're just coming to me for spiritual advice. How do, we, how do we react? How do we love our kids? Because the kids wouldn't talk to the parents, and they took the grandchildren <laughs> away from the parents, which if, for all of you that are grandparents, you know how difficult a time that was. They're not even able to see their grandkids. And their hearts are broken, and there's this incredible conflict within the family. And this conflict came because of money, and we know that money can cause conflict with friendships and in families. But we're going to talk about conflict today, but we're going to talk about conflict with families and in families and in friendships that doesn't come from money. It comes from a very unexpected source. You wouldn't expect a source to bring conflict. And if you're visiting today, you haven't been here for a couple weeks, I'm going to welcome you to this series. He said what? And uh, this series is all about some things Jesus said that when you first hear them, that's your reaction. It's like, he said that? I can't believe he said that. And, and uh, we're going to take a look at one of the sayings today. It deals with conflict. So let's, let's go ahead and open it up. It's Matthew 10 and verse 34, and it reads like this. Do not suppose that I have come to bring peace to the earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. Now, the sword's always referring to war and conflict and fighting. And obviously, Jesus isn't talking about causing nations to go to war. We know that. He's talking about conflict, and we're going to discover he's talking about conflict that comes within our closest relationships. Listen to the very next verse. For I have come to turn a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. A man's enemies will be the members of his own household. So he's talking about that sword coming into our closest relationships. And I was preparing for this a couple weeks ago, and, and I saw mother-in-law, and it reminded me of this mother-in-law story. True story. And uh, uh, it had, had to do with this guy. He had, he had this dog, and this dog loved, loved to fetch. So he, he, he lived near the ocean, and they'd walk on the beach, and he'd throw his stick out, and the dog would run and get it and bring it back. And he'd have these wonderful walks with his dog in the morning. And one morning, he throws the stick out, and he hears it hit metal, and his dog runs after it, but his dog comes back, not with the stick, but he has this lamp in his mouth, and it looks kind of like what we would call a genie lamp. And, and so this guy gets it out of his dog's mouth, and he begins to brush it off. True story. And uh, <laughs> this genie comes out. This genie comes out. And, and the genie says, I, I will grant you three wishes. You just, whatever you want, I'll grant you three wishes. And, but the genie said, I'm, I'm, I'm not like other genies. Whatever I grant you, your mother-in-law will receive double so this guy swallows hard, like he's not sure if he wants to throw the lamp back. He's just trying to figure it out. And so then the light goes on. He says, all right. He goes, I, I know what I want. He said, Here, here's my first wish. He said, I'd like $1 billion in my bank account. 
bam, the genie goes, it's in there. And your mother-in-law, remember now, she has two billion. So he's, he says, all right, that's cool, that's cool. So, so then he said, my second wish is I'd love a mansion right on the ocean in southern Florida. Genie goes, bam. He goes, now remember, your mom has, mother-in-law has two, two mansions, two of them. He goes, that's cool, that's cool. So the genie says, now you have just one wish left. Remember, your mother-in-law is going to receive double. So he, he, he looks at the genie, he says, I, I know what I want. He said, you see that stick over there? It's as big as a bat. The genie said, I, I see that, that big stick. He said, I want you to take that stick and beat me half to death. And uh, <laughs> Oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Just joking. My mother-in-law and I have a great relationship. Um, cut this from the message um, when it goes on TV. No. Um, just had to have some fun with that. Let's look at our verse again. Verse 35, verse 36. For I have come to turn a man against his, uh, his father, a daughter against her mother, a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. L- listen, listen. A man's enemies will be the members of his own household. So Jesus is dealing with the closest relationships in our life. This could also be a friend. For those of you that are students, could be your best friend. For those of us, you know, working jobs in the secular arena, could, could be our best friend. It, it, Jesus just chose to use the, 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 the most uh, close relationships that we have. And I love this about Jesus. Jesus doesn't candy coat Christianity. He just would tell you up front. He said, listen, guys, if you make a decision to follow me, here's something I want you to know. A sword's going to come into your closest relationship. It's, it doesn't always happen. But it's very possible if your family is not Christian, there's going to come great conflict between you and your family. He wants us to know that up front. I like that about Jesus. He doesn't hide the things that are going to happen. And he's telling us, calculate whether or not you want to follow me. And we're going to find out today it's the best decision you could ever make is to follow Jesus. But he wants to make sure you know when you make a decision to follow me, you're going to have some struggles in some of your closest relationships. Now, I realize as I'm speaking, some of you are like me. I've been a Christian for 36 years, so I've kind of walked past the the toughest part of this because uh, my immediate family, they're all Christians now, but it didn't come easy, and I'll share some stories as we go on, but uh, I still have actually relatives that uh, don't want to be close to us. They don't want to spend a lot of time with us, because I love Jesus. And so we still have that in our family. It's kind of now the, uh, more the outer family, but there are relatives. And for some of you like me, this is something we want to make sure we make ourselves aware with, because we have so many people accepting Christ, and so many young Christians, and so many newer Christians here at, at Believers, which I'm so excited about. And you know what? We need to coach them We need to know how to coach them when they run into these situations because this will make or break what God wants to do in their lives if they don't understand it's coming and if they don't react properly. So I want you to walk out remembering this truth. Loving Jesus is the best way, the best way to love your family. And and, and here's what I mean. If you want to see your family believe and go to church and go to heaven and have eternal life, the best way you can love them is to love Jesus And when conflict comes, what you're tempted to do is you're tempted to back off. You're tempted to say, all right, I won't read my Bible as much. All right, I'll stop going to church. All right, I'll stop this. Because they're they're telling you, hey, I don't like this. Sometimes they say, I don't don't want you doing this. And if you don't stop, this is going to happen. That's going to happen. We'll talk about some of those things. But in the end, you're going to see this incredible promise in the Bible today. This is such an incredibly exciting message. And and here's what you're going to figure out. 
Loving Jesus is the best way to love your family. Even if they don't realize it, it's going to change their lives if you, you keep going, even if the sword comes into that relationship. It's the best way to love your friends. So I'll tell you, I'll tell you an interesting story. I was the first one to accept Christ in my family. And if you're, we're here Easter, you've been hearing like the time. My brother Tony and I owned what was called, we called the Steel Valley Barbell Club. It was across from the Southern Park Mall in Boardman. And that's where I accepted Christ, working there. And uh, so there we are. And remember how Lou told me, go public right away? So I went public right away. And, and my brother Tony didn't want to hear about, he didn't want to hear about uh, anything to do with Jesus. My mom and dad didn't want to hear it. They thought I was in a cult. None of my brothers wanted to hear it. And I had six or five brothers at the time. None, nobody wanted to hear it. And I was just being, the sword hit my family. I mean, I was, I was being a, persecuted for, for being a Christian at that moment in my life. But I went public, and I ended up getting all these guys that worked out at the gym. Some of them were the toughest, craziest guys in Youngstown. They all start coming to a Bible study because Lou, the guy that was instrumental in leading me to the Lord, he started holding a Bible study, and it was at the back of the old Casey's restaurant up there in Bourbon. And uh, I started inviting all these guys from the club. They're coming to the Bible study and accepting Christ, and they're beginning to, to walk with Jesus like I am. And so my mom was so upset about this Bible study uh, she said to Tony one night, she said, I want you to go up to that club, and she said, I want you, you to go to that restaurant tonight, because they knew I was having the Bible study, because I kept inviting Tony to it. She said, I want you to pull your brother out. If you have to grab him by the ear, you pull him out. And then she said this. She said, and if that Lou tries to stop you, I, she said, I'm, I'm paraphrasing, she said, take him out. And, uh, and, and Lou was an older guy with no muscles, you know, and that type of thing. So she said, Tony, take him out. And, and so Tony comes up there. I have no idea. I have no idea this happened. I'm, I'm unaware. I found out later. And we're sitting back there, and, and there's all these guys, about 10 guys or, or so that night. And Tony opens the door, and he comes in, and he has that look. And I know the look. You know how you know the look of your family? I, I know he's mad and he's angry. But then he sees the guys, and he calms down. One of the guys, we called him Stevie. Stevie was the strongest man I've ever met. And it, for all the ladies... Ask your husbands or your boyfriends, uh, they'll tell you. This guy would lay flat on his back on a bench press, and he would take 500 pounds on a bar and just do repetitions with it. It was scary. One person could not. You had to have a big guy on each side in case he didn't get it up. It was scary. I, I couldn't believe somebody could do that much weight, and he just did it like it was nothing, like, like just like that. And he's sitting across from me, and Tony walks in, and he sees Steve, and then he sees Poochie and all these guys. And, and uh, Poochie was a... Another crazy guy. And, and uh, <laughs> so Tony sees Poochie and Steve, and, and, uh, and, and, and his, his face changed immediately. And Steve goes, hey, Tony, why don't you come sit in the Bible study with me? I'm not, not, not exaggerating. Tony said, okay. And uh, <laughs> sat down in the Bible study. Uh, loving Jesus is the best way to love your family, I'm telling you. So, so Tony sits through, and Lou's teaching, I'll never forget, he's teaching Nicodemus how this religious leader came to Jesus in, in private and said, what do I have to do to be born again? And Jesus told him, you have to believe. So Lou teaches this message. We're walking to our cars. Tony and I have separate cars. He came up to get me. And Lou, Lou, Lou's out there, and Tony goes up to Lou, and I follow him, and Tony says to Lou, he says, Lou, what do I have to do to be born again? And that night, my brother Tony prayed and accepted Christ. And my mom sent him to rescue me from the cult. <laughs> and he went back, one of us. It was an incredible. It was incredible. It was awesome. So, so within a year, my whole family, even my father, within a year, 
all of them accepted Christ and all of them began to follow Jesus the way that I followed them. And they just loved me. They didn't know what I was into. They cared about their 19-year-old son, so they're trying to get me out of what they thought was a cult. I understand that, having kids, and grandkids. But what I want you to understand is the worst thing that I could have done was back off. It's the worst thing I could have ever done. The best thing you can do is just keep following Jesus. Loving Jesus is the best way to love your family, your closest friends. Some of you are in here, you've been Christians a long time, but you, you, know, you just decided to cross the line, so you're going to begin to experience this now because once you go public with Jesus, these things begin to take place. So I'm going to go a verse up, and I want to read our saying in its context. I just want you to see the context of the saying. Matthew 10, 32, 33. For whoever acknowledges me before others, this, remember this from Easter? I will also acknowledge before my Father in heaven, but whoever disowns me before others... I will disown before my Father in heaven. This is Jesus saying, go public. First step of going public, being water baptized. And then going public, I want you to understand, it's not being obnoxious. You guys hear me week in and week out. You know I'm not an obnoxious person. And with my family and my friends, I, I will talk about Jesus, but I do it in a very respectful way. And, and I'm not haughty and I don't have an attitude with it. But you know what? We do need to be public. And, and of course, with family, you pick and choose. You look for open doors. You don't have to do it every moment. But you just look for that door, and, and, and you let them know, hey, I'm following Jesus. I love Jesus. And then conflict, in most cases, will come if they're not Christians. And it's amazing. Look at the next verse. Do not suppose I've come to bring peace to the earth. I did not come to bring peace, but the sword. We, we, know, what, we know this. Let's read two more verses. For I've come to turn a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. A man's enemies will be the members of his own household. So now let's read the context. Notice the very next verse. Anyone who loves their father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And anyone who loves their son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. This verse is so powerful. Uh, I, I do this group and I, I just call it disciple. And, and I personally invite 15 guys every time I do it, 15 to 20 guys. And so I think I just did it for the seventh time. We just finished up. And this time I had, out of 20 guys, I had 15 that were able to come. And anybody here that ever wants to come to a future group, I do it twice a year. Just grab me in the West Lobby. That's where I hang out and talk. I'll put your name down. I make, I'll make sure I invite you to the next, the next one. It's for guys only, and it's just incredible what happens in it. But we were looking at this scripture. And, and it, 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 as, 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 as we looked at it, I gave it to them for an assignment. I said, just read it all week. Next week, we're going to come back, and I want you to just talk about it. And I give them a couple questions to write some thoughts down. And we're going around the room and talking about it. And one of the guys said something I had never heard anyone say. And, and I have to remember those things for, for messages like this. I've got to use this. Here's what he said. And it's not, he, he saw everything else that's in there, but he saw something else that I'd never understood or saw in that way. And here's what he said. He said, I got to thinking how much I love my mom and dad, how much I love my wife, and how much I love my kids. And he said, I love them a lot. And then he said, I compared it to how much I love Jesus. And he said, I'm not loving Jesus as much as I love them. And he said, God really dealt with my heart that I have to take my love for Jesus up. And I never heard anybody touch this verse that way because in context, and that verse is saying that, but in context, what it's saying to us is 
The one you love the most is the one you please. Can we all agree with that? We please the people we love the most. If I have to choose between pleasing someone I don't know and someone I know, you're always going to please the one you love the most. And here's what Jesus is saying there. Jesus is saying, I want you to love me more than your closest relationships. Translated, I want you to please me above your family and above your closest friends, which simply means if you have to make a choice, you always go with Jesus. And so I had to make a choice, and I went with Jesus. I want to tell you a story about a guy. And, and uh, true story, this happened years ago. I was, I was still a young man. Uh, he's, he's about my age, so, I, you know, he's a little younger than me. But he told me this story. And when he was in college, he lived locally with his parents. He drove to YSU. His dad paid for his college, and, of course, he had free room and board. And he worked a part-time job to take care of his car and his insurance, that type of stuff. But he accepted Jesus, and he just fell in love with Jesus. He began to read his Bible, and his parents were from the old country. And uh, they told him, his dad said, if you don't stop following this Jesus, if you don't back off, I'm kicking you out of the house, and you're going to pay your own college. Now, that's tough for a, a guy in his early, early 20s. That's, that's a tough choice. But you know what he did? I, I, to this day, I, I just smile when I think of his story. You know what he did? He looked his dad in the eyes and said, Dad, I really love you, but I do love Jesus more, and I'm going to go after Jesus. And you know, his dad was a man of his word. He kicked him out of the house, stopped paying his college. So this guy had to get a full-time job for a season, save enough money, pay, pay his own rent, live on his own, and work his way through school. But you know he did it. But here's the exciting part. Loving Jesus is the best way to love your family. He had terrible times where his dad wouldn't talk to him. His family had great turmoil. Do you know what happened down the road? His mom and dad both accepted Christ and they became Christians. Is that something we can say thank, thank you Jesus for? It, it, it's amazing what happens. Loving Jesus is the best way to love your family. And I know for some of us, again, we walk through it, but we have some of those distant relatives and, and we want to bring them into the family too. I think, I think this is an amazing thing. Um, you may not know this, but Jesus' brothers didn't believe in him. Can, can, can you imagine that? None of his brothers or sisters believed in him. Listen to John 7, 5. For even his own brothers did not believe in him. So he's walking around saying, I'm the son of God. I've come to save the world. He's raising the dead. Uh, he's giving sight to the blind. Uh, the, the deaf are hearing. And his own brothers and sisters looked at him and said, we don't believe you're that Messiah. You know, you should stay that carpenter. You're a better carpenter, Jesus. Uh, you're getting way out there. You're being a little weird. And they're not believing in him at all. As a matter of fact, listen to this. Jesus' brothers thought he was crazy. Didn't just, they thought he was crazy. I'll set this up and I'll read a verse to you. Uh, Jesus healed a man on the, the Sabbath and the religious Jewish leaders, they were so mad at him. They, they didn't like Jesus. Uh, and, and, and they got in his face and said, we're not allowed to work on the Sabbath and healing is working on the Sabbath and you broke the law of Moses and, and you are not a man of God. And his brothers heard that he healed on the Sabbath. Here's their response. Here's their response. Mark 3, 20, 21. When his family heard about this, they want to take uh, charge of him or grab him and, and, and try to shake him and put some sense into him. For they said, he is out of his mind. Can you imagine? That's, that's his family. It, it was true for Jesus. If it was true for Jesus, can you see how it's going to be 
has to be true for us. And it's amazing, the Good News translation says, he's gone mad, and the Amplified says he's deranged. This is a pretty strong word in the Greek, and, and his family's just looking at him saying, you're cuckoo, Jesus. You're cuckoo. Back off, man. Get off this Messiah kick. And, and, and Jesus is like, I love you guys, but I, I'm going to do what God created me to do. And you know what's so cool? All of his brothers and sisters ended up believing in him. And James, his brother James, who was one of the most outspoken ones, you know that James became the head bishop over the church in Jerusalem? And most scholars will agree, James, uh, most scholars believe James wrote the book of James that's in our Bible. And do you know how he died? He died a martyr, and they actually stoned him to death. He believed in Jesus so much, he died for Jesus. I, I, on that note, I want you to just think about this for a moment. Because we live in America, and typically people, you know, put walls up. Relatives don't talk to us anymore. Sometimes, like the guy I talked about, you know, they kick you out of the house. That's about as bad as it becomes here. But do you realize that if you were a Muslim living in a, uh, a Muslim country today, Saudi Arabia, you name the country, if you lived in one of those Muslim countries, uh, Turkey's a little better, but most of them are this way. If you lived in a Muslim country and you accepted Christ, do you realize that if you're a parent, your kids would tell on you? And if you're a kid, your parents would tell on you? And do you know what the best case scenario would be in those countries today, right now? Today, you'd be thrown in jail. You'd have to deny Jesus or be thrown in jail. But typically what they do is they, they, they martyr them, they put them to death. That's happening right now in the world in which we live in. And when I read stories like that and I know that's happening, that changes how I live my Christian life because I think of the reward seat of Christ. We call it the judgment seat of Christ. I think of going up there to get rewards, and, and here I am complaining because I had a bad hair day. And uh, I really did today. I rode my Jeep with the top down, and, and I come in, and I'm going over my message, and I don't look in the mirror until 10 minutes before service, and I, go, and, and I needed to re-wet it, and I couldn't, so I just pushed it down with hairspray, did the best I could. But, you know, I was, we complain about bad hair days and all, and then I think of being before the judgment seat of Christ, and here's this guy that accepted Christ in a, in a Muslim country. He was stoned to death, and I'm standing next to him, and I complain my whole life about little things, you know. Uh, the ATM didn't work or wh whatever the first world problem could be, and I'm complaining about that, and I think of this guy being thrown in jail or murdered for their faith. I think of the persecution they're having and here's what that does for me. I say, Lord, I know, I know I need to become more spiritual, but would you burn it into my heart that I, have, I am living in a free country and I need to live full blast for Jesus. I need to take advantage of where I live and I need to understand that if I live my life full blast, I might lose some of my best friends. You know, when I first accepted Christ, I had these two really, they were my best, best friends. And uh, I told them about Jesus they, you know, I invited them to church. They both said goodbye. But do you know today both of them are uh, born again and both of them are following Christ. Loving Jesus is the best way to love your family, the best way to love your closest friends. But Jesus said, hey, I don't want to candy coat it. It doesn't always happen overnight. I want to give you a promise, and this is where my big idea comes for this message. Here's my promise, or the promise from the Bible. Acts 16, 31. They replied, uh, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved along with everyone in your household. So this is the Philippian jailer, and uh, God supernaturally opens the jail cells, and Paul's going to walk out, and this guy is afraid, 
And Paul just looks at him. This is a promise for every Christian. He says, if you believe in Jesus, you'll be saved. And then I love this promise and your whole household. So it could mean right then and there, but it's a promise for all my family. It's a promise I've held on for for years, and I'm still watching God do these incredible things with my family. Here's a verse I want to put with that to help you know how to pray. Matthew 9:38 says, So pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest. Ask him to send more workers into the fields. The fields is referring to people that don't know Christ. The harvest is someone accepting Christ. The workers are people that just go and invite them to church or tell them about Jesus. And so I love this, especially, you know how family is. Family doesn't want to listen to us with something new because we're their family. They knew us before we met Jesus, and Jesus said a prophet's not, one, you know, not accepted or received in their hometown. And I'm not a prophet, but I, I noticed the principle's true. If you're a Christian, your closest relatives typically won't listen to you. So I prayed this prayer, and I've asked, I've asked the Lord, send somebody to my relatives that they'll respect and that they'll listen to. So I had this relative, I was close to them, and when I accepted Christ, the wall went up. They didn't want to talk to me. They, they lived out of state. And uh, years passed, and I would pray, Lord, send, send somebody to them that they'd respect. Years passed. And, you know, I received an email from them one day. I didn't even know they, they had my email address. And I received an email, and here's the email. Hey, I have a coworker, and he invited me to this. They call it a, a small group. That's what we call connect group. He said he invited me to this small group, and he, he said, I really liked the guy. See how he respected this guy. And he said, I want to go, but I wanted to check with you. Now, now the door, he's, his heart's open enough to where he's asking me a question. He told me the name of the church, and I, and I smiled because I knew the pastor. And I said, oh, that's a great church. You need, you, you, need, you need to go to that connect group. So he goes to the connect group, and my relative ends up accepting Christ. Took years. Loving Jesus is the best way to love your family. I want to close with a story that's really close to my heart because God used me. He actually used me. Uh, to be the one that went to one of my wife's relatives. And it's, it's Grandpa Poro. We called him Grandpa Poro. It was uh, my wife's mom's dad. And he was from the old country. As a matter of fact, he came from the same city in Italy that my mom and dad came from. So he took a liking to me because my brother-in-law Graham and my brother-in-law Jim, they're Irish. And uh, I was Italian. And the first thing he had to say when, when Lori started dating Graham was, I have Irish friends, and they drink a lot. It's like, it's like us Italian guys don't, you know? But when he met me, when he met me, it was like uh, he didn't have a grandson, and, uh, uh, and, and so all of a sudden I'm from the same, you know, place. So, so he opened up and took this liking to me, so there's God bringing someone that they would listen to. But at first he wouldn't listen to me. In years past, I prayed, uh, Lori and Graham prayed, Michelle and Jim prayed, Gina and I prayed. We're just praying our hearts out for all of the grandparents. And, and one day we're in Chicago, years have passed, and God actually spoke to my heart. He doesn't do this a lot, but he spoke to my heart. He said, go, go see Grandma and Grandpa. And they lived in Little Italy in downtown Chicago. And he was a tailor. He became the, he was a tailor in Italy. He became the head tailor at Marshall Fields. He actually made suits for El Capone. And uh, I asked him, I said, what kind of guy was Al Capone? He said he was the meanest man I've ever met, ever, ever. He said, you don't, you never said anything because you didn't want to make him mad. And, and uh, so he was a cool guy. When I met him, he was already retired. But I told Gina, we need to go down. God spoke to my heart. Let's go down and see Grandma and Grandpa. And I told her, you need to take Grandma out and go shopping with the kids. So she took our kids and Grandma out. And I'm alone with Grandpa. 
And I see this Bible that's written in Italian, and I grab it and I take it to Grandpa. We're all alone now. I, I opened it to Romans 10. I don't read Italian, but I could find Romans 10. And I said, Grandpa, read these verses. And it was the verse where it says, if you believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead, confess with your mouth that he's Lord, uh, that you'll be saved. So he reads it, and I look at him, I say, do you know what this means? He said, no. So I just began to explain it to him. It was an open door. I'm explaining it to him. And then I had him read, whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. I said, do you know what that means? He said, no. So I explained it to him. So I get to that place where I told him about Jesus, and you have to believe in him and accept him as Savior. And then you have to close the deal, you know, and I'm, of course I'm used to that pastoring, and so I said, hey grandpa, I said, do you believe what I just said? He said, I do, I do. I said, would you like to pray with me? I'm telling you, he, he said, yes. I grab his hands, we pray, he accepts Christ. It was so incredible, and uh, he died shortly after. I really believe some of our relatives that live really long, we think they have good genes, God's keeping them alive till they meet Jesus, man. And uh, so I don't know that their genes are all that good. I just think God's keeping them alive till they meet Jesus. Hey, I want to say one more thing to you. This is important. Some of you, your relatives die before you know. And, and I want to just tell you, uh, people accept Christ as the last. It's amazing how people accept Christ and, and uh, what God's doing. And you may not know, but I, I, I'm kind of 99% sure that if they're your relatives and you're living for Jesus and you prayed for him, you're going to see him up in heaven because one way or another, God gets to these people. And I'll tell you, uh, when I go to a grocery store and I'm shopping, absolutely true. Uh, sometimes I'll take my grandson, Joey, and uh, I get stopped about seven times in Aldi's, you know, just seven different stops. When someone comes up, and here's how it goes. Hey, Pastor Joe, I watch you on TV. Uh, two weeks ago, a guy came up. He had a camera, and he had his girlfriend take a picture of him and I because he was like so thrilled he met me, like I'm something, you know. And so uh, he, took a, he took a picture, I guess, with a celebrity. And uh, so, so that happens, that happens. And, but here's what I learned. People you would never guess are watching shows about Jesus, are watching shows about Jesus. And God is getting the message to your relatives one way or another. And all we want to do is understand loving Jesus is the best way to love our family. Don't compromise. Live full blast. The sword might come, but God's going to do some incredible things in every one of our families. So let's close our eyes. Let's bow our heads. Let's pray. Lord, I did my best to bring out an incredible part of the Bible. And Lord, every one of us in this room has some family members that have not yet accepted Christ. And some, there may be a sword, some there may not, but they haven't accepted him. Lord, here's our prayer. We all come together and we pray for our relatives. And Lord, we ask you send someone to them that they'll respect, that they'll listen to, who can share the good news of Jesus with them. Lord, open up their hearts and their eyes. Let them see Jesus as we have understood and as we see Jesus, Lord God. We thank you for that, Lord. Lord, all of us come together now and we pray. If there's someone in this room that's in the middle of conflict, maybe some newer Christians, maybe some of us have been around, there's conflict in their family. Uh, Lord, that the sword has come because of Jesus. Lord, we pray, we pray for those people to come to know Christ and give the Christians, Lord, strength to follow Jesus no matter what. And Lord, I also just throw this in, anybody here that has conflict in their family for other reasons, Lord, bring peace into our families. You created families to be eternal. Bring peace in every household, Lord, between moms and dads and kids and aunts and uncles and cousins. 
Father, bring peace. Restore families. And guys, if you can agree with that prayer, would you say amen? Now let's bow our heads, close our eyes. Let's keep praying for a moment more. Maybe you're somebody here, you're like Grandpa Poro or uh, you know, some of the other stories I told my brother Tony. And, and you have not yet come to know Jesus personally. I want to speak to you just for a moment. I'm not asking you to join our church or a religion. Listen very carefully. I'm not asking you if you're a member of a church or if you grew up Christian. I'm not asking you if you were water baptized as a baby or an adult. Those are all great things. You can do all those things and not know Jesus. And you can do all those things and know Jesus. But I'm asking you, do you know him personally? I'm not asking if you prayed, wrote prayers in church. Not bad, but I'm not. here's what I'm asking. Can you remember a day when you made it personal? When from your heart you said, Jesus, I believe, and I make a decision to follow you. If you're here and you say, Pastor Joe, I can't remember a day like that, but I'm ready today. I'm ready to do what Grandpa did. I'm ready today to make Jesus my Lord. Would you pray with me right now? Everyone else in the place, would, would you help them pray? Just say this after me. Say, Lord God, I realize I'm a sinner. I repent for all my sins. And this day, I give my heart to Jesus. Jesus, I believe I receive you as my Savior, and I make a decision today to follow you. Amen. Thank you for listening to the BC Podcast. Follow us at A City Connected on Twitter and Instagram to stay updated, inspired, and encouraged.